Welcome to the Church of the Redeemers Weekly Podcast. We pray that you will enjoy this week's service, and we hope that you will follow us at www.cotrb.org, and may God continue to bless you. I commend thy service in your peace is our joy. And your love is our redemption, and your promise is our hope. Thank you, God, for the privilege to stand behind this sacred desk one more time, to lift up and to declare the name of Jesus Christ. Bless these, that people who are in your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God is good, despite where we are. This is the last communion Sunday of the year. God has brought us through some hills, some valleys, some low points, but we are still here. And I'm grateful for that. If you can rest on your feet this morning, the Lord kept me up late last night. He always has a plan. I'm going to be reading from 1 Kings, the 17th chapter, verses 1 through 8. I'll be reading from the uh, King James Version. 1 Kings 17, beginning at verse 1. And it reads as follows. It says, and Elijah, the Tishbite who was the inhabitants of Gilead, said unto Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand, there shall shall, shall not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Get thee hence, and turn thee eastward, and hide thyself by the brook Cherith, that is, before Jordan. And it shall be that thou shalt drink of the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed thee there. So he went and did according unto the word of the Lord. For he went and dwelt by the brook Cherith, that is before Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and flesh in the morning, bread and flesh in the evening, and he drank of the brook. And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, You may be seated. The Lord's word is blessed. Think with me this morning with this thought. What do you need more of? What do you need more of? Today is the third Sunday of Advent in which we celebrate joy. Joy to the world, the Lord has come. Let earth receive the King. Isaiah 9 would say, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, 
mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The government is going to be on his shoulders. So what is it this morning that you find you have a shortage of? Maybe you don't have a shortage of water or food, but you do have a shortage of patience. My wife constantly reminds me that that is an area I need to get better in. For some of us, we allow the holiday season to put us in a hope drought. You've lost all hope in the situation you find yourself in. You lost all hope in finding a new job. You lost all hope that things will eventually will be better. You lost all hope in the country's democracy system. Or maybe you're saying, I need more strength. I need to be better. I'm worn out. I'm exhausted. I have just lost all hope. For other of us, our greatest shortage is a shortage of time. See, it sometimes feels like there's not enough hours in the day to complete all that needs to be done. Or perhaps your greatest drought is the area of finance. It just seems like there are more bills than there is money in my household. Well, whatever the greatest area of drought is in your life today, whatever it is that you are experiencing a shortage of or need more of, I want you to look with anticipation at our text and see that through the drought that Elijah experienced, God is able to turn a little into a lot because a little is much in the master's hand. See, God's faithfulness is not in short supply, and he will continue to raise up leaders who understand that divine call to act as servant leaders for the good of humanity. Now, notice I said he could meet your need, not your greed. See, sometimes for some of us, we want more than we can actually handle. Grandmama would say that your eyes are bigger than your belly. Think about it. If God can meet the needs of a person like Elijah, who the Bible says is a man just like you and me, don't you think he can meet any need that you have right now? So my question again is, what do you need more of? See, the coronavirus has caused a shortage in hospital beds and resources. What do you need more of? The state is now back on a shutdown with limited access to inside dining establishments, places where we find enjoyment. What do you need more of? Trump has a shortage in the amount of electoral votes to remain as president. What do you need more of? What have you been asking God to give you more of in your life? Is it for you? Is it for somebody else? Elijah was a prophet in Israel who was a great man of God. He served during the reign of King Ahab, who did more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any king before him. 
Elijah's story reminds us of how adversity drives us deeper into God and develops us into the men and women God wants us to be. See, Elijah gave all to serve God and to be God's prophet to a lost generation. What are you willing to give to serve God? See, despite whatever reservations Elijah had, when God says go, he always went. See, we find Elijah on the move again in this text. The wicked king Ahab had permitted his wife Jezebel to bring the worship of the god Baal into Israel, and she determined, she was determined to wipe out the worship of Jehovah. Her plan was to exterminate the worshipers of Jehovah and have all the people of Israel serving her God. It is always amazing to me that the enemy is never in short supply to find those who are available to do his bidding. 1 Peter 5 tells us to be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. See, just because you're in church, that don't mean you're protected. I don't care how many Bibles you have in your purse or under your arm, that don't mean a thing. What's important is what is in your heart. What's important is when you are able to access what God has poured into you and develop into you, and you walk worthy in the vocation in which you call. That's what's important. When you can regurgitate what God has already said, when you can stand on the foundation of his principle, what do you need more of? Today, I want to reassure you that even in the midst of a drought, even in the midst of a temporary constraint, when your patience appeared to run out, your hope is all gone, and your faith is on the edge of her seat. In the words of the woman with the issue of the blood who said, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I would be made whole. I want you to be whole today. Not only today, but during this season of Advent. I want to give you three things that I see in this text. The first thing I want you to be assured of, that God knows where you are. Say to yourself, God knows where you are. David says in 139 Psalm, Thou knowest my what? Down sitting and uprising. Thou understandest my thoughts so far. God knows where you are. When you are trying to live for God and obey his commands and things still don't seem to get better, it's easy to forget. We feel like God has forgotten us. But I'm here to tell you this morning, he hasn't. He knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly what you need. He knows because he's God. 
Isaiah 41 tells us, so do not fear. For I am with you. Do not be dismayed. For I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Elijah had just prophesied to King Ahab that there would be no rain in the land for a few years. He did not go to the people and tell them of the impending drought. No, he went instead to the source of the problem. He went to the king. Sometimes we want to go through the back door to get to the front door, but we got to go to the source of the problem. Elijah said, you are doing evil, and the Lord whom I serve is sitting judgment on you and the nation for their sins. And as the drought continued and famine hit the land, Ahab began his search for Elijah, the man he thought caused all the trouble. See, Ahab began his search. Elijah had to go into hiding because this evil king was out to get him. In one sense, Elijah did cause the drought. But it was the sins of Ahab and Jezebel that led the nation into disobeying God's covenant and inviting his chastisement. See, the rain was held back as punishment for the people, punishment for their disobedience in following this false God and not Jehovah. God didn't give Elijah a three-year schedule to follow. Instead, he directed his servant at each critical juncture in his journey. And Elijah obeyed God by faith. Verse 3 says, Go thee hence and turn eastward. Hide thyself. It tells him to go hide yourself was God's command. And three years later, the command will be go show yourself. You have to read chapter 18, verse 1, to see that for three years he hid. Three years, God says, now it's time for you to show yourself. By Elijah leaving his public ministry, it created a second drought in the land. This drought was the absence of God's word. Sometimes we can't see that. All we see is the drought of rain. But the absence of the prophet created a second drought. So I just stopped by to tell you this morning, if you have been the spiritual leader in your family and have decided to drop out, then you have caused a drought in your family. If you have provided spiritual insight to others in your church, in your community, and you have decided to drop out, you've caused another drought because a drought it's the absence of God's word. Paul says, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? How shall they believe in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And sometimes we look at that text, we think that only applies to the preacher, but the, the, the preaching of the gospel, the proclaimer of his word is what the text is saying. 
that when the absence of God's word is no longer available, there's a drought in the land. If I wasn't here this morning, one of you should be able to stand up here and proclaim it's true. And if you can't stand up here and proclaim it's true, then that means that we've done something wrong along the way. We have to study to show ourselves approved. The workman or workwoman need not be ashamed, but rightly divide the word of truth. God knows where you are. He not only knows where you are, but God knows where you're going. He knows where you are. He knows where you're going because the steps are already ordered by the Lord. Whenever God tells you to go, he'll get there first. There's no need to fear what God has in store for you in the future. Sometimes we disobey his clear direction because we are afraid of where it's going to lead us. Even Jesus talked to God when he was struggling with accepting the, the process of the cross and dying for me and you. He thought God had forgotten about him in his suffering, but he had not forgotten about his only begotten son. He just wasn't finished with the work yet. And sometimes we have to understand that when we're suffering and we're struggling, God ain't forgot about you. We just haven't finished the work that he has for us yet. That's the God that we serve. The Lord had a special hiding place for his servant by a brook east of the Jordan. And God also provided some unusual servants to prepare food for him. God led him to a brook where he could drink and be fed bread and meat by a raven until the brook dried up. See, the ravens was considered an unclean, detestable bird according to the Mosaic list of forbidden foods. Yet God used these birds to help sustain life of his servant. Remember, the raven didn't bring Elijah the carrion, the decaying flesh, which they were accustomed to eating. No, the Lord provided the food and the birds provided the transportation. See, we have Uber Eats now. We have all this other stuff that can bring you food. But look at the humor of God. God used a bird to feed his servant. And if God used a bird to feed his servant, what does that say about me and you? Oh, my God. Thank you, Jesus. Just as God dropped the manna into the camp of Israel during their wilderness journey, so he sent the necessary food to Elijah as he waited for the signal to relocate. See, as the drought grew worse, the brook dried up, leaving the prophet without water. But he never made a move until the word of the Lord came to him to tell him what to do. How many can say honestly that we don't move out until we hear from the Lord? Sometimes we want to call it faith when we move, but God ain't told you to move. That's just you telling you to move. 
You listened to somebody else that told you, girl, you need to get out of that job. You need to go. God ain't told you. God told you to stay where he provided you the job. He said he will create the opportunity for you to leave. Because the same way you leave a situation is the same way you enter the next. You see, sometimes the best thing that can happen to us is for God to allow the brook to dry up in our lives. Y'all don't hear me. You didn't get that. He has to have some stuff to dry up in your life. Because if he don't get, let it dry up, you'll still stay there stuck. So God tests us in order to build our faith and bring out the best in us. But the devil tempts us in order to destroy our faith and bring out the worst in us. Because too many times we become passive with our pain. And until we realize how big the problem is and how drastic the drought is in our lives, we won't search for a solution. See, God knows where you are going. That's why he had to cut off your supply. He had to cut off your supply of friendships. He had to cut off your supply of fellowship. He had to cut off your supply of partnership so we can develop a better relationship and depend on him. God knows where you are. God knows where you're going. And finally, God has prepared a place for you. That's the God that we serve. He knows where you are. He knows where you're going. But not only that, he's already prepared a place for you. You see, when God sends us, we must obey and leave the rest to him. For we don't live on man's explanation. We live on God's promises. When we prepare something for someone else, it means that they are getting ready for it. If Jesus is busy preparing a place for us, that means he's expecting us. Right? Sometimes God will change his means of supply to keep our eyes fixed on the source because we have a tendency to look at the bucket and forget about the fountain. The fountain, I'm reminded of the hymn writer that says, there is a fountain, what, filled with blood, drawn from Emmanuel's vein, and sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stain. Don't forget about the fountain. He is the fountain. People today are forgetting about the true meaning of Christmas. Many live as if they have forgotten. Because if you live as though the church doesn't matter, you have forgotten. And if you live selfishly, rude, disrespectfully, you have forgotten. If you live without worship in your heart, you have forgotten. If you live without responsibility to Christ, you have forgotten. Jesus is the gift that keeps on giving. Success in life depends on doing God's will and trusting God's promise. God knows where you are. He knows where you're going. And he has a place that he's prepared for you. When you look at this text, this text ain't about the bird. The text is about our dependency upon him. That's why he said if he would be lifted up from the earth, 
he would draw all men unto thee. That's the Lord that we serve. I'm done, but I want to leave you with this story. I'm reminded of a farmer who grew award-winning corn. Each year, he entered his corn into the state fair where he would win a blue ribbon. One year, a newspaper reporter interviewed the farmer and learned something interesting about how he grew his corn. The reporter discovered that the farmer said he shares his award-winning secret with his neighbors. The reporter was stunned. The reporter said, well, how can you afford to share your secret of your corn with your neighbors when they are entering the same competition each year alongside of you? The reporter said, that doesn't make sense. The farmer replied, he said, the wind picks up pollen from the ripening corn and swirls it around from field to field. He said, if my neighbor grows inferior corn, cross-pollinization will steadily degrade the quality of my corn. Therefore, if I am to grow good corn, I must help my neighbor grow good corn. The farmer realized that his corn cannot improve unless his neighbor's corn improve. So it is with us in our lives. See, the drought serves as a reminder of our dependency upon God and each other. See, those who choose to live in peace must help their neighbors to live in peace. Those who choose to live well must help their neighbors live well. For the value of a life is measured by the lives we touch. And those who choose to be happy must help others find happiness. For the welfare of each is bound up in the welfare of them all. We need to take this text. We need to look at what this farmer says. If we are to grow good corn, then we must help our neighbor grow good corn. Sometimes we hold on too tightly. We stand a chance to lose everything. Remember, some plant, some water, but God gets the increase. What do you need more of is the question. Do you need more rain in your life? Do you need more sunshine? Do you need more love? Do you need more faith? Or the greatest need of all is to accept Jesus Christ as Lord. And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Whatever you need more, God is available. Stand on your feet, I'm done. There may be somebody here today that's standing in need. You need something. Sometimes our focus is financially. But don't get tricked up into the finance. We all could use more money, right? You got paid probably yesterday and you still could use more money, right? But the Savior pays you every day. But how many people will raise their hand and say, I need the Savior? 
So today is your opportunity if you don't know Jesus Christ and the pardon of your sin. The Bible says all you have to do is confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised it from the dead. He said, salvation is yours. And I know you're saying, well, you're down there, Reb, and I'm at home. That's okay. All you have to do is just repeat after me. Lord Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me, for I'm a sinner. Save my soul. If you said that, you're done. you saved. Now you need to connect with a church family. And if, if the church of the Redeemer is the place you want to be, all you have to do is just call the office and we'll contact you. Give us your name and your phone number and we'll call you back. That's as just easy as it is. We love you and we want to make sure that during this event season that you have what you need. Don't worry about the gift under the tree. Worry about the one that who's the gift that we celebrate, the one that created the tree. So if you need Jesus, as they sing, I'm done. The doors of the church are open. Before we go into our communion service, is there one? Wherever you are, we're praying. You can be seated. To the utmost. Jesus saves to the utmost. Jesus saves. He will pick you up. 